and welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. And what a final game weekend we had. Plenty of fixtures across the Coronation weekend, across all three divisions, which has settled the final league table for another year. We've seen several relegations, plenty of promotions and more importantly the push for those elusive playoff spots really go down to the wire, most notably of course in the Championship. As always you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect from us every single week. So we will move on straight to the Championship. Now although that took place on Monday and we saved League One for the Sunday fixtures, we, I think it's more interesting to start with the Championship as there were three, all in, well technically four, incredibly crucial games that were taking place that led to five different teams potentially making the last two playoff spots. We knew for certain that Luton and Middlesbrough would be sat in third and fourth respectively going into the final day, but a combination of Coventry City, Sunderland, Blackburn, West Bromwich Albion and, oh I've forgotten the other one, and Millwall, sorry, uh, all had the chance of getting the final playoff spots. More, what made it even more interesting is many of them were playing each other. Middlesbrough were taking on Coventry. Millwall took on Blackburn Rovers. Preston, who weren't that far away from a playoff berth themselves, were taking on Sunderland. And Swansea City were entertaining West Bromwich Albion. So, we will start with the first team that had a slight fall away, unfortunately. And we will start with Swansea City 3, West Bromwich Albion 2. West Brom missed out on the championship playoffs as Joel Peroy's stoppage time free kick saw Swansea City claim a thrilling 3-2 win on the final day of the regular season. Oke Yukasula steered Albion in front on only for on-loan Wolves midfielder Luke Cundall to glide in the first equaliser. Semi Ajayi's drive revived the visitors' playoff hopes before Oliver and Cham's classy leveller. Peroy's 20th goal of the season sealed Swansea's triumph. Defeat means West Brom finished ninth three points short of sixth place, having only won three of their last ten games of the 22-23 season. Swansea, who extended their unbeaten run to nine, in the campaign tenth, behind Albion only on goal difference. Then, let's go to the incredibly uh, tense affair that finished Millwall 3, Blackburn Rovers 4. Millwall dropped out of the championship playoff places after a stunning second-half fight back from Blackburn Rovers that saw the visitors come back from two goals down to win 4-3 on a dramatic final day that I had the pleasure of watching on Sky. Two strikes from Duncan Watmore and an Oliver Burke effort had put the Lions 3-1 ahead at the break after Adam Wharton had earlier equalised for Rovers midway through, through the half at the Den. Joe Rankin-Costello pounced on a loose ball in the box to pull one back for Blackburn soon after the restart, and Ben Berrett and Diaz made it 3-all in the 63rd minute with a curling shot from 20 yards out. That sparked a frantic finale as Millwall sought a winner, which would salvage top six point, but Blackburn had the better chances. Berrett and Diaz tapped in to round off a counter-attack with just four minutes remaining and cap a remarkable turnaround in what Rovers boss Yondal Thomason confirmed after the game was the Chilean forward's final match for the Ewood Park club. Millwall have started the day in sixth but dropped to eighth as Sunderland moved above the Lions courtesy of their 3-0 win at Preston and Blackburn finished seventh on goal difference. Millwall's win at Blackpool on the 28th of April meant Gary Rowett's side knew that final day victory would be enough to secure a playoff berth, while Rovers, who had slipped to ninth after an eight-match winless run, had to take all three points and hope other results went their way to finish sixth, and unfortunately, they did not. 
Now, we've already alluded to it, but let's move straight to it. Preston North End nil, Sunderland 3. Sunderland sneaked into the Championship playoffs thanks to a crushing victory over Preston North End and Millwall's astonishing 4-3 defeat against Blackburn Rovers. The Black Cats needed maximum points and for other results to go their way on the final day, and in a bewildering climax to the regular season, Tony Mowbray's side kept their part of the bargain in style, as spectacular second-half strikes from Amid Diallo, Alex Pritchard and Jack Clark saw them romp to victory. Coventry booked the other slot thanks to a one-all draw away against already playoff-bound Middlesbrough, but Millwall squandered of course a 3-1 advantage at home against fellow hopefuls Blackburn, meaning they missed out to the Black Cats by a point. Sunderland will face Luton Town in the playoffs with a first leg at the Stadium of Light on Sunday, Saturday the 13th of May, and the returning meeting on Tuesday the 16th. Preston began the day embracing their role as potential party poopers, getting on top early on and almost going ahead when a fierce Ali McCann strike was deflected just a fraction wide, with keeper Anthony Patterson well beaten. The visitors, who were looking to extend their unbeaten run to nine games despite a lengthy injury list, soon settled. Having strong shouts for a penalty following a clumsy challenge by Patrick Bauer on Jock, Joe Gilhart waved away. And then on, only a brilliant one-handed save by keeper Freddie Woodman prevented a Patrick Roberts strike from arrowing its way into the top corner. Woodman also made an equally fine sprawling stop from Gelhart after a glorious flowing move. Preston remained dangerous in an enthralling tussle played in the intermittent Lancashire rain. On loan Manchester City forward Liam Delap sending a low shot just off the target after racing through one-on-one and Tom Cannon headed straight at Patterson from eight yards. But an increasingly confident Sunderland were playing with a typical verve and freedom despite their desperate need for a goal and the pressure and quality finally told in a one-sided second period. After Dan Neal sent a measured shot a whisker away from nestling in the bottom corner and Woodman spread himself to block Pierre Equa's close-range shot, Sunderland deservedly went ahead through Manchester United Loney Diallo's stunning curled effort from the edge of the box. Substitute Pritchard soon made it 2-0 with another delightful effort from distance, cleverly deceiving Woodman with a beautifully disguised strike with his instep. And a third goal in 11 minutes sealed the points, Clark getting on the end of yet another stunning counter-attack, cutting inside and placing his shot into the bottom corner from 18 yards. By now, Millwall have now pegged back to 3-all, and news that filtered through to Sunderland's already large and buoyant away support meant that the Lions' hopes of victory had vanished, with Ben Berrett and Diaz's late strike putting Rovers ahead. The thrilling comeback in south-east London meant Millwall, who started the day in sixth, dropped to eighth, as Sunderland moved above them, with Blackburn finishing seventh on goal difference. And with that, let's listen to Sunderland boss, Tony Mowbray. Tony, congratulations on today and finishing in the top six. Just describe your emotions right now. Well, listen, I'm happy. I'm happy for the players, really. It's, you know, the journey they've been on has been, you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster up and down. We've finished the season pretty strong. You know, we've probably too many draws, but the wins have been huge for us. Still... Still, probably better on the road than at home. You know, unfortunately for the for the forty odd thousand who watches at home, but it's still amazing for these people who come and travel and spend hard-earned money to watch us that we've been winning on the road pretty consistently. So, um, yeah, delighted for everybody. Delighted for the club. Nothing achieved yet, of course, and um, it's hope that last year's experience in the playoffs can help the team, benefit the team. But we do know that Luton Town are. A team of warriors, a, you know, a big physical team who give everything in every game, and um, and we've got our hands full in two matches. We obviously look like we've picked up a couple of injuries today as well, and so 
Um, yeah, listen, we are looking forward to it immensely. We all believe that if we can play at our maximum, we can beat anybody in this league. And, uh, and I'm sure Luton will think it's a tough game on paper for them, but um, it'll be in, it'll, hopefully it'll be an epic two matches and let's see who comes out on top. Talk to us about today's game as well. You had to be patient, you, you had to take time to break them down, but when you did, you, you did it in style. Yeah, I was, I was a bit unhappy for staff. I think it was, it was almost like a basketball match for staff. It could have been three all at half-time, to be honest. At, um, we needed more control. We got control second half. We scored an amazing goal, and then I thought we controlled it fully from that moment, got the second, got the third, and we were never really in danger. Um, showed what we were about really as a football team and um, so yeah really pleased with them great for the supporters to score the goals at the supporters end as well and, and to make that connection the team and the fans is really really important in any football club and uh, hopefully as they do as you can see that the, the, the supporters really appreciate this young athletic talented team and we have to keep it going for hopefully three more games. Since you came into the club it very much feels like a group that's really together. Just talk to us, a, kind of, about that unity in this in the squad at this moment in time. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a very similar age group to them all. I don't, I don't know again, but there was only three over the age of 22 again in that team today. The young lads training with young lads, having the same sort of banter, liking the same music, doing the same things, have the same trainers, you know, have the same haircuts. They're um, very similar to when I was playing in, in the middle 80s, to be honest. Middlesbrough went through leagues back to back with a team of kids, really, with myself and, and uh, Stuart Ripley, Colin Cooper, Gary Parkinson, Gary Pallister, you know, a team of young boys, Gary Hamilton. Um, and we, we managed to do it and, 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 and then, then forge friendships for life. And, and I keep saying to this group, these, these teammates you've got today could be your friends in 40 years' time. You could still be going for a coffee with them. and. Um, and just reminiscing, like like 50 years ago, you know, the team of 73 for Sunderland. It's um, wouldn't it be amazing to get to Wembley and and, and have a, have an appearance in on the 50 year anniversary? We've got two massive games coming up against Luton Town, and um, and we'll be doing our best. Our supporters know that. Luton, I'm not sure how many tickets we'll get for the away game. You know, we could probably fill the whole ground ourselves, couldn't we? And yet. Um, We'll be doing our best for the football club and for the, for the supporters of this team who, who've had a tough few years and deserves to see a team that's given everything they've got. And just finally, are you filled with pride from today's match and you know how the season's turned out overall? Yes, I'm always proud of them. They work hard. They, you know, I, I, I've always had a mantra really in my coaching career is to think you're giving maximum and then give another 10%. You never get to maximum as a footballer, right? And I learned that as a young boy doing like doggies on the pitch, these, you know, cone, back to the cone, back to the cone, back to the cone, back to the cone. And the coach would say, right, last one, you felt you couldn't move. And he said, last one, you sprinted the fastest one you've ever did. And them was the sort of moments where I know that you think you're running hard, you're gasping for air, you can, you can find more. And I think it, it, it's something that hopefully I'll put into all of these lads for the rest of their careers that you have to find your maximum and then find a little bit more if you're going to win consistently. So that left one final playoff spot, and it was for a team that were already there. Middlesbrough won, Coventry City won. Coventry City drew with Middlesbrough on the final day of the championship season to set up a playoff semi-final with the Teesiders. Results elsewhere meant the Sky Blues finished fifth in the table to see them progress to a two-legged showdown with Borough for a place in the Wembley promotion final. Gustavo's Hamer's excellent finish from just inside the box for his third goal in five games put Coventry ahead midway through the first half. 
Cameron Archer levelled in at first half injury time, forcing Bull home after a scramble in the box. Middlesbrough heat pressure on in search of a winner, but Coventry held on for a point that saw them finish ahead of Sunderland, who claimed the last of the playoff spots. So a really, really exciting set of events at the top end of the table. So, and also, we of course already know what's going on down at the bottom. So, with the, all of that, pretty much everything now settled, let's cover the rest of the matches that took place in the Championship. And we'll start with one of the promotion sides. Birmingham City 1, Sheffield United 2. Two goals in three minutes saw promoted Sheffield United sign off the season in style, with victory over Birmingham City. Both sides hit the woodwork in the first half, with Lukas Jutskovic hitting the bar for the hosts, before James McAtee and Tommy Doyle both struck the posts for the blades. Ollie McBurney headed in Chris Basham's cross on 53 minutes, and McAtee doubled their lead three minutes later, after good work from Illiman and Dai. Dion Sanderson pulled one back for Birmingham with 11 minutes left, but the host could not find a leveller. Birmingham were buoyed before kick-off with the news that American financier Tom Wagner has agreed to buy a 45.64% stake in the club in deal that's subject to the approval by the EFL and the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. What made even better, it's by Shelby International Limited. I think someone's been watching too much Peaky Blinders. So, on to the title winners then. Burnley 3, Cardiff City 0. Burnley rounded off their spectacular season in the Championship with a 3-0 win over Cardiff City that saw the hosts break the 100-point barrier. First-half goals from Josh Brownhill and Ashley Barnes meant the Clarets had the game wrapped up by half-time. Scott Twine's precise free-kick added a third on Burnley's celebratory day. Cardiff will be grateful for Reading receiving a six-point deduction over their finances, otherwise their awful season would have seen them relegated. The Bluebirds ended a dismal campaign 21st in the, cam- uh, in the Championship, the division's second lowest scorers, and having appointed three managers, with the future of current boss Sabri Lamucci still unclear. However, this was a day of relief for Cardiff, and it was one of raucous celebrations at Turf Moor. Another big game at the bottom, Huddersfield Town 2, Reading 0. Huddersfield said farewell to Neil Warnock with a win that typified the spirit the team had shown since the veteran manager took the reins in February. Josh Caroma and Joseph Hungbo conjured a conjured up two excellent goals as the Terriers chalked up their seventh win in the 15 games in which Warnock has been in charge, a run that hauled them out of the relegation zone almost so much so they're now four points above the drop. With nothing to well, nine points above the drop, sorry, four places above the drop. With nothing to play for, the game had a distinct end of season feel to it. But the Terriers stepped up the pace in the second half to make it six wins from their last nine. Warnock has said he has no plans to remain as manager at the start of next season, but may seek another managerial project towards the end of next term. This match was long billed as a potential last day relegation fight, but Huddersfield secured safety with win over Sheffield United in midweek, which also relegated the Royals. And the visitors' winless streak extended to 13 games with defeat at the John Smith Stadium. Reading seeking to give their fans something to enjoy after a miserable run of six defeats and six draws stretching back to February almost opened the scoring in the third minute when Shane Longshot deflected into the pass of Cesare Casadai, whose header clipped the post. In a few half of uh, in a first half of few chances, Jordan Rhodes almost capitalised on a slack back pass from Nabi Sar, only to be denied by Conair Boyce Clark's excellent sliding challenge. The Terriers improved after the break, with half-time substitute Ben Jackson curling a shot just wide before Karoma added, uh, broke the deadlock in the 49th minute. 
The winger cut in from the left flank and curled a shot into the far corner for a goal that lit up an afternoon that had been unremarkable. Saar produced a stunning goal line clearance to prevent a second Huddersfield goal after Rhodes's cross had been hooked goalwards by Jack Radoni. The Terriers were not to be denied. With eight minutes left, Hungbo produced another spectacular strike to finish Huddersfield's season in style. And for the final time this season, and potentially ever, let's listen to Huddersfield town boss, Neil Warnock. Gaffer, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, 18th place finish, nine points above the drop, four places above the drop. Yeah. I don't know what we're so worried about. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it does look, uh, it look straightforward now, doesn't it? But... You know, you've been around the background and it's been a very difficult job, as difficult as I've ever had. And it's, it's just great when you, when you come after a game like I wanted to win today, if I'm honest. And when you come after that and you go around with the families and that, you realise how much the, the crowd appreciate everything that you've done. You know, Ronnie's been fantastic as well. And, uh, you know, it was, it was quite emotional again going around with grandkids were there with me, which softened it a bit. But everywhere around the ground, you name it, they were unbelievable. You know, they just stayed behind, didn't they? And, it, and I really appreciate it. I'll never forget that, the, the last two games. It was an interesting day, really. The atmosphere around the place was so up and everybody so happy that there was no pressure on today. It showed in the first half. I'm sure there was barely a buck. I said to Noel about five minutes to half-time, is this the worst game of football you've ever been involved in? <laughs> I don't think you agreed with me. But, we, you know, we said a few words at half-time. I thought we were a lot better second half, you know, and deserved to go on and made a few changes. And, you know, it's nice to see. I love to see Josh score and... and uh, Great for Ungbo, he deserved to come on after what he did at Cardiff. And uh, and although he had a sticky start, he finished with a goal like that. So, you know, great, really. Before the game, you, you asked the boys, you said you wanted to finish on 53 points, and there's not a lot you've asked them to do that they haven't this season. No, they've been... I mean, you've only, you, you start at the back, really. I mean, you know, you're talking about Matty Pearson, Hellick and Tom Lees, and, and Ruffs as well. They've been as good as anything in the league, them four. And the goalkeepers come back now. Thomas did well, and then Lee's come back in, done well. That's not a problem for them now. They've, you know, they've got to work out next season. I'm sure what the, you know, an extra one in the middle there, and and some strikers, and uh, you know, good good as chances anybody. It was a like you say an, an emotional day. We've, we've touched on it before. You didn't get a chance to, to have a proper send off in '95, but you you did today. How much did that all mean to you today to be able to to do so and, and enjoy the occasion as well? Yeah, I mean, when I was first here, I was so I was so pleased to take the team to Wembley that first year because they hadn't been since 1930-something. Um, and then the new stadium, you know, it was amazing to come in here and to get in the playoffs. Well, you know, nobody give us a chance. I know we, I think we got in in sixth place or something like that. Um, but the following, that Brentford, I mean, that's a special time for me. I remember looking, Sharon were driving behind the bus and, uh, you know, Brentford will bring back good memories for me. And it's just a... I've really enjoyed it. I'm glad it's... You know, it's, I can leave him in a, in, a, in a good place. It was nice that Sharon was here today as well. We've obviously got her to thank. She told you to come back and yeah, help us, and that's exactly what you did. She drove for six hours, so uh, no, no wonder she was a bit tired. What are your memories of, of this period going to be? Because I think everybody in the stands obviously are going to think about back on it fondly, even though it's, it's been a tough season. The end to it is almost, like we said before, skimmed over the, the difficulties we've had previously. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether people thought I was joking when I said it's the most difficult job I've ever had in my career. And I've, I mean, I've had sixteen hundred and <laughs> God knows fifteen, sixteen hundred and fifteen games. Or I don't, I think it is. Um, 
And I, and I wasn't joking, it, it has been as difficult as that. We, we managed to have a look quickly. We got two 4-0 two defeats and we managed to look at the, at the players quickly and decide what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And to be fair, since then, I, I can't fault them, really. I can't, honestly. I've, I've given a few rollickings out, but not over the top. And the lads have responded great. The last thing I'll say is, is today's a bit bittersweet. Obviously, it's it's happy occasion that we we stayed up on Thursday and, and the result today and, and finished so strongly. But you know, saying goodbye to yourself and Ronnie's not going to be nice again. But it's it's good that we do it on the right foot, isn't it? Oh, it is. I mean, Ronnie Jepson, he's as much a hero as me. You know, he's done a lot of the work. You know, I can't do everything at my age, and he he just takes all the res- all the pressure off me, and I just do what I'm good at really, and, th- and that's why we make a good pair. Gaffer, congratulations on the job. And thank and you I very hope much. I don't come back again next February, OK? All the best. Fingers crossed. Cheers. I am going to miss that man. Luton Town nil, Hull City nil. Luton Town finished the regular championship season unbeaten in 14 matches after a final day stalemate against Hull. Rob Edwards shuffled his pack and made eight changes as Luton, who were guaranteed to finish third before Monday's finale, had one eye on the playoffs. The Hatters will travel to Sunderland in the first leg of their playoff semi-final on Saturday, with the return leg at Kenilworth Road on Tuesday the 16th of May. The Tigers, who made four changes themselves, burned brightly in the early stages, and Adama Traore saw two shots deflected behind. Aliar Samiabdemmemeh, then latched onto a loose ball and raced through, only for his low strike to be deflected against the base of the post on 11 minutes. Luke Freeman saw a shot deflected into Matt Ingram's arms as the host grew into the game, and Ingram distinctively struck out a hand to superbly save a Joe Taylor header from Alfie Doherty's fizzing cross from the left flank three minutes before the break. There was still time before the intervals for Traore's curling free kick from 25 yards to be saved low to his right by James Shea at the other end. Very little else was taking place in the second half, and that they... Uh, and Hull, of course, have ended the season unbeaten in 10 on the road, drawing six of them to secure a 15th place to finish. They have won their final game only once in 19 seasons and have not tasted victory on the road on the last day since winning at Blackpool in 1995. Norwich City nil, Blackpool won. Relegated Blackpool beat Norwich City in their final game before dropping back into League One next season. Manchester City Loney and former client of mine Morgan Rogers put the Seasiders ahead with their first shot on goal, lifting the ball over goalkeeper Angus Gunn for his first goal for the club. Timu Puki, in his farewell appearance for Norwich after five years at Carrow Road, had a shot pushed onto the post and saw an effort deflected over the bar before the break. Blackpool hung on to end their two-season stay back in the Championship with a victory against a Norwich side that finished 13th in the table. Queen's Park Rangers nil. Bristol City 2. Mid-table Bristol City ran out 2-0 winners at QPR, who secured their championship safety last time out. Goals in either half from Mark Sykes and Sam Bell condemned QPR to a seventh defeat in eight in front of their own fans. The Hoops finished 20th, having been top in October, and their 12 league defeats at home are an unwarranted club record. It was the Robins' first win on the final day since they put eight past Walsall in League One in 2015 and earned them a 14th place finish under Nigel Pearson. With that in mind, let's listen to QPR boss Gareth Ainsworth. Gaffer, you've spoken so much about the quality of the support from the Rangers fans. How frustrating was it for you today not to be able to send them home with a win in that last home match? Yeah, 
frustrating, but a, a realism of you know three games on the spin. I don't know when we last achieved that, you know, and, and the home form just hasn't been good enough this season. Um, thank you for turning up. Thank you for getting us over the line. I think the big achievement is keeping this this team in the championship because um, honestly, at certain times of the season, it looked it looked far from safe. Um, you know, we've done it without the points deduction as well, which is a positive. But I can't wait to get into the summer now and and uh, and and put in plan what I've been thinking, you know. Um, we weren't good enough today, you know. Um, sort of after the Lord Mayor's show a little bit, I think, you know, the energies and everyone relaxing a little bit, but I didn't want that. I wanted to give the fans something to shout about and scream about. We should have had a penalty, but again, mistakes. The goals come down to mistakes. Individual Albert slipped and he's apologised to the boys and, and, you know, that happens sometimes, but I think we can defend the cross better. And then a set piece, which is, uh, is something that I really pride myself on, so that's what, that'll be sorted next year, but... Character, identity, you know, passion, all these things are going to come back to this football club without a shadow of a doubt. It's going to be a big summer, it's going to be a big rebuild, but uh, I want us to go into next season very positive. It's going to be tough, you know, this club's not the club it used to be, um, and probably that's why I'm here, you know, I wouldn't have had this job if everything was going rosy, but I know what I need to do. I want to get stuck into it, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. You talk about knowing what you need to do, it's now 71 goals conceded in the season you don't achieve anything letting in that many what are your plans for sorting that out yeah we've got to be solid you know I mean you get a clean sheet at Stoke you you know one at Burnley at top of the league um, and we played a, this this system that in, in both those games where we soaked it up at the moment that seems the only way we can play you know and I, and I didn't want to do that at home today I wanted to come out a little bit more but again proves what I've been thinking all along you know we, uh, we're not good enough. We're not good enough to, to do that at the moment. There needs to be a new players. We need to be fitter. We need to be stronger, more solid, have more of an identity about the way we do things. And all these things will come back. Um, I'll give my best shot. I always will do. And uh, today, sorry about the result. Thanks for the support. But we're still in the Championship. That was the main aim this year. Watford 2, Stoke City 0. A quick-fire second-half double from Imran Loser and Keenan Davis saw Watford earn a final-day win over Stoke. The Hornets went in front with 20 minutes to go through Loser's quality curled finish after Potter's goalkeeper Matthias Sarkic had denied Ismail Assar. Ken Seema was the architect of the second, with his run and pass finding Davis, who deflected shots spun out of Sarkic's reach. Stoke threatened through Ben Pearson and Will Smallbone in the first half, but faded in the second as Chris Wilder's side cruised to victory. Watford end what has been a disappointing season for both sides. The happier, uh, but for both sides, the happier, but would have hoped for a better than eleventh place to finish. Alex Neal, Stoke City finish in sixteenth after a poor end of the season, which saw them go to the final seven games without victory made even worse by the fact that I thought they went on something like a six-game winning run only around February. And finally, it does seem somewhat appropriate to finish the championship season with this. Wigan Athletic nil, Rotherham United nil. Wigan patched, uh, Wigan's patched squad managed a goalless draw as their troubled season came to a low-key finish against Rotherham. Latics boss Sean Maloney said in a pre-match interview the build up to the, with the build-up to the game had been very difficult. Adding those players who had played despite not being paid last week were a massive credit to the club. A failure to pay all the players on time on a fifth occasion could lead to further action from the EFL after they had deducted points for the four previous failures. A punishment that contributed, of course, to their relegation. Maloney stacked his substitutes bench with seven academy players and handed league debuts to 21-year-old goalkeeper Sam Tickle and Anthony Scully. 
Thilo Asgard and Omar Rekic almost sent the beleaguered Wigan fans home with a smile, both coming close to beating Miller's keeper Victor Johansson as the Latics finished the stronger of the two teams. With several regular players missing, Maloney was forced into an experimental starting lineup with centre-back Jack Watmuth in midfield and James McLean at wing-back. With Rotherham relieved to have secured their championship status by beating Middlesbrough a week ago, the first half was predictably low-key, with Asgard's shot lacking the power to beat Johansson in Wigan's best opportunity. The Millers had the best chance, but Tickle, who had a fine debut, denied Tariq Fosu as the Millers' man burst into the box and shot, while Christ Tehehi's excellent tackle prevented a certain goal after Jamie Lindsay had also found a way through the home defence. Tickle continued to be the star at the back, palming away a Leo Helder cross that was curving into the top corner and then getting down to save from a Dindamingus Keener's effort. Wigan ended the game strongly, despite having seven academy products on the field at the end, Asgard directing a free header straight at Johansson, with the keeper also denying Charlie Hughes and Callum Lang. So, that brings us to the end of the championship season, and for one last time, let's take a look at the full championship table. Top of the table and of course title winners this year see Burnley with 101 points from 46 games played. 10 points adrift but 11 points further ahead of third sits Sheffield United on 91. The playoff spots in full now sit Luton, Middlesbrough, Coventry and Sunderland meaning of course over the course of the next week uh, split across the two matches we will see Luton taking on Sunderland and Middlesbrough taking on Coventry in the playoff semi-finals. Just missing out on goal difference, in 7th place are Blackburn Rovers with 69 points level on points with Sunderland. A point below and could have been so much more for them, 8th placed Millwall. Below that, 9th and 10th, both on 66, see West Brom and Swansea. So see, even then, down to the final day, only 3 points separating 10th all the way up to 6th. Still showing just quite how entertaining and also how mental the Skybet Championship really is. Mid-table sees Watford, Preston and Norwich, Bristol City, Hull and Stoke, along points with Birmingham City and Huddersfield. Remarkable really that Huddersfield, the history books will read that they finished 18th after all the things that they've gone through and that actually ended up being a really decent campaign for them. Birmingham will be hoping to turn things around next season under new uh, stewardship, of course, under the American owner Tom Wagner. And Stoke will be hoping to rebuild after what has been a fairly underwhelming campaign for the Potters. Those pushing for, well, the just survived relegation see 19th place Rotherham United, 20th QPR and 21st place Cardiff City. Cardiff City will be thanking the footballing gods or those that just happen to live in EFL Towers because of course they are five points ahead of 22nd placed Reading but only because of the six point point deduction that Reading received back uh, earlier in the season. Reading of course relegated to League One for the first time in I think about 15 years. Blackpool 23rd and Wigan sit square bottom of the table, ready to go again in League One next season. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. 
At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935-479913. So, the championship all done and dusted, so let's move on to League One. And we still didn't have a title winner going into the final game week. But, of course, that was solved relatively straightforwardly. Port Vale 1, Plymouth Argyle 3. Plymouth Argyle were crowned League One champions after coming from behind to win at Port Vale on the final day of the season. James Plant gave Port Vale the perfect start when he raced through to fire past keeper Callum Burton in the third minute. But homegrown midfielder Adam Randall restored parity with a low right-footed shot into the bottom corner from the edge of the box before former glover Joe Edwards filed the Pilgrims ahead four minutes later. Substitute Finizaz made sure the title would head to Devon when his right-footed shot from the edge of the box nestled in the top corner. The win meant Argyle ended the season on 101 points, eventually three points clear of Ipswich, to clinch a return to the Championship for the first time since 2010. Port Vale ended the season in 18th, having won just three times since mid-January. We may as well cover second place now then. Fleetwood Town 2, Ipswich Town 2. Promoted Ipswich had to settle for second place, despite topping 100 goals for the season at Highbury. The Tractor Boys had already clinched their automatic promotion place in the, to the Championship, but knew they would create EFL history by becoming the first team ever to glock up 100 points and 100 goals in a season. They also had their eyes on bettering Plymouth's result on the final day, which would have handed them the title, but Argyle won 3-1 at Port Vale to secure the crown for themselves. Ipswich were on course for the win they wanted, and the feat was on when Freddie Ladapo gave them the lead early in the second half but Fleetwood hit back to lead through two strikes from Jack Marriott before Marcus Harness levelled to spark a late siege on the home side's goal. Kieran McKenna's Ipswich were a shadow of the team that had pieced together a remarkable run of 13 wins and a draw to challenge Plymouth for the title, although they did have the better chances in a low-key first half and couldn't really make those final chances clinch to end for it the title. So, we know what's happening at the top of the table there. We did have, of course, one playoff spot left to sort. And we will start with, and all but sealed with, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Derby County 0. Derby County missed out on the League 1 playoffs in agonising fashion. The controversial penalty and subsequent red card for Curtis Davis saw them beaten by playoff-bound Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. The Rams knew that victory would guarantee a playoff place, but that simply matching or bettering Peterborough's results against Barnsley would also be enough to remain in the top six. The game's pivotal moment saw veteran defender uh, Curtis Davis try to make amends for a poor back class, but he was dismissed for tugging Marvin Johnson, albeit very softly in my opinion, following keeper Joe Wildsmith's rush clearance five minutes before the break. But although Peterborough did manage to see out a 2-0 win over Barnsley at Oakwell, the Rams were unable to find an equaliser that would have seen them good enough to see them stay in the final playoff spot on goal difference. So, 
we may as well cover that other game as well then. So it finished Barnsley nil, Peterborough United 2. Peterborough snatched the final League One playoff spots, of course, with a hard-fought win at Barnsley. Starting the day needing a victory and hoping sixth-place Derby would slip up at Hillsborough, which of course they did, Posh were off to a great start when Johnson Clark Harris scored his 28th goal of the season to give them the lead. Not enough to eventually get him to win the Colton boot, that went to Ipswich Town's Connor Chaplin. When news came through during the first half that Derby had gone behind and had a man sent off, Peterborough dug deep to resist a Barnsley fight back. The Tykes, already sure of a playoff semi-final against Bolton, pressed forward in the second half, but Jack Taylor netted a second goal for the visitors to grab six spots ahead of Derby and set up a playoff clash with Sheffield Wednesday. So, the title is sorted, the playoffs are sorted, and therefore we've got just the small matter of the relegation spots. Going into the final day, four teams were in the chances of being relegated and of course three of them definitely going down. So we will start with one that unfortunately was all but sealed. And that finished. Oxford United 1, Accrington Stanley 2. Accrington's five-year stay in League One came to an end despite a 2-1 comeback at Oxford. Accrington needed victory plus a mathematical miracle to survive on the final day, starting at requiring a 16-goal swing in their favour. Although Corridi Adayin and Aaron Presley scored second-half goals to cancel out Billy Bowden's early opener, the visitors finished second bottom. Oxford finished two places and two points outside the relegation zone. Then, let's go for the other teams that were relegated. Exeter City 3, Morecambe Two, and not a dry eye was in the house down in the Devon capital. Jost, uh, Jay Stansfield's hat-trick sealed Morecambe's relegation from League One as he led Exeter City to victory over the Shrimps at St James's Park in his final game uh, in a uh, stadium that bears his father's name. The game came to life in seven second-half minutes after a flat first half as Stansfield, of course on his final appearance at his boyhood club from his loan at Fulham, fired Exeter ahead. Cole Stockton replied soon after following a defensive error, but Stansfield blasted home left-footed from 10 yards after a Morecambe mistake to see Exeter retake the lead before hitting a right-footed effort from 12 yards for an emotional third to end his time at St James's Park in style. Stockton scored a consolation goal in the last uh, of the 14 minutes of stoppage time. Morecambe were relegated alongside Accrington and one other who we haven't quite mentioned yet. At uh, and of course, Exeter ensured they did not register a club record seventh successive league defeat as they ended their first season back in League One in 14th. So we know two of those relegated teams now being Morecambe and Accrington Stanley. That left Cambridge United and MK Dons. So. We will go to MK Dons first. And that finished. Burton Albion nil, MK Dons nil. MK Dons have been relegated to League Two as their failure to beat mid-table Burton, coupled with a certain victory over Forest Green Rovers for another team we haven't mentioned yet, saw them drop into the relegation zone on the final day of the season. MK Dons dominated their hosts, bossing possession and having 31 attempts on goal, many of which came in a breathless final 20 minutes at the Pirelli. But a combination of wayward finishing, bad luck and some desperate defending saw them fail to find the goal, which would have been good enough to preserve their third-tier status. With Accrington all but relegated because of their vastly inferior goal difference and their opponents Oxford as good as safe, Dons were realistically battling out with Cambridge and Morecambe, of course, to remain in the division. 
it's really quite a, a disappointing end for MK Dons, who of course only 12 months ago saw themselves in third place and only missing out on goal difference from an automatic promotion spot to the championship. How little and how much can change in football in such a short space of time? So, that must leave one further team. And that finished Cambridge United 2, Forest Green Rovers 0. Cambridge United secured League One survival with victory over Forest Green on a dramatic final day. Before the game, Mark Bonner's men knew that they needed to beat already relegated Forest Green and hope that both MK Dons and Morecambe failed to win. Harrison Dunk and an excellent Sam Smith strike gave them victory they required at the Abbey. Morecambe's defeat at Exeter, coupled with MK Dons' 0-0 draw at Burton, meant Cambridge stayed up by a single point. Despite having lost three of their last four, the hosts began brightly, and Conor McGrandles bent a shot past the angle of the post and bar in the early stages, while Harvey Nibs managed to squirm past a couple of defenders, but was denied a shot on goal by Dylan McGeeck's challenge. The deadlock was broken on 25 minutes when McGrandles' deep in-swinging corner was turned in by Dunk at the far post. It was Dunk's third goal of the season, all coming in the last seven games. Talk about clutch. Harvey Bunker fizzed a shot wide for Forest Green before a moment of magic doubled the advantage eight minutes before the break. Jack Lancaster swung the ball across the area from the left, and from a difficult angle, Smith side-footed an excellent volley back across Ross Duhan's goal and into the net via the top of the far post. It was his 14th goal of the season, and crucially, his seventh in the last nine. Rovers almost halved the deficit before the break, as Don Bernard thundered a far-post header into the woodwork from a left-wing cross. But it needed a fine block from Charlie Cooper to deny Dunk his second after the turnaround. Lancaster had already been denied by Duan when he jinked his way forward and beat two defenders before firing into the side netting. Despite leading 2-0, there was a nervy finale, with MK Dons needing just one goal to relegate Cambridge, but there was a jubilant scenes at full-time as news came through of full-time at Burton. Defeat number 31 rounded off a difficult season for Duncan Ferguson's Forest Green, who finished bottom by ending the campaign with one win in 25 and no away clean sheet. So, with that in mind, let's have one final interview and let's listen to Cambridge United boss Mark Bonner. Well, Mark, you said Wednesday was a missed opportunity. Boy, have the boys made up for it today. What a, what a moment, what a day here at the club. Yeah, look, we knew what we had to do. We had to win, and then, let's be honest, that was horrible because you're relying on everybody else. And 14 minutes had it in a game at Exeter and Morecambe and um, MK Dons were really pushing, a lot of set plays at the woodwork a number of times. So it's horrible when you're not in control of it. Um, but from where we were a few weeks back, to even be in with a shout today was, was great. And I thought we played well, and the game in the end was like a non-event, really, and we were fine with it being like that second half. We had to get in front. We needed to score the second goal. So, yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's so good that we're back in this league next year because we've made huge progress in the last three years and this gives us a chance of maintaining the momentum a little bit um, in what will be a real summer of change, but um, everybody who will leave us will leave us as better than when they found us and that's all of our jobs. We have so much tension here, so much tension probably elsewhere in the country at Burton and, and Exeter. Were you able to keep in touch with what was going on on the bench there? Yeah, I mean, social media is a dream nowadays, isn't it? So we were up on everything. We didn't care in the first half, didn't need to know. Second half, we obviously were going to need to know. And uh, 
Yeah, I'll be honest, I don't know if it helps, really, because it was just horrible. You know, the whole place is refreshing their Twitter accounts every 10 seconds. It's, um, it's just brutal, isn't it? It's just brutal. But I'm so pleased that we've managed to do it because I think everybody deserves that and the players have been, in the last few couple of months, have been amazing, really, and, and give us a really good chance. And it's been a, it's been a tough season, there's no question about that. Um, but make no mistake, this is an achievement for us. Staying in the league gives us a chance to keep building, keep developing. Um, and whilst it's been a horrible season for a large part of it, we've bookended it unbelievably well with the start and the, and the end. So uh, thank goodness we did. We're headed to Port Vale, 1st of April, seven points behind, plus goal difference. It looks a, an improbable challenge. How proud are you of the players for, for doing what they've done over the last few weeks and achieving safety? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we were frustrated that we found ourselves in that scenario because we had a few months where we were poor um, and then a few months where we were playing and we weren't getting the results that we needed. And we've actually we've won plenty of games this year. Um, in, in terms of the teams at the bottom end, we haven't, we haven't drawn enough. I said that a lot throughout the year. We've lost 26 games, and so many of them by a margin where we shouldn't have lost them, and we should have taken something from them. So it's why we find ourselves where we were. The origins of all the problems were injuries and problems like that, and then all sorts has happened since then that has caused us a problem. But in the end, we added brilliantly in January. Those players have made a huge impact. The togetherness of the team has always been there, always there, and that's a, a really important point. And we've been able to find a way of getting through it. And... Uh, yeah, look, we're, on a, we're a club on the up. You look at the number of people here, four sides of the stadium full of Cambridge fans. What a day. I was a bit emotional first half. <coughs> Sounds in good. In terms of the, the, the mental side of the game, the way that the players have had to stay composed over the last few weeks, you talked about non-point scoring days. There has been one draw in the last night, but also five wins. And, you know, that, 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 that sort of psychological side of the, of the game has probably come into play hugely over the last month or so, Mark. Yeah, huge. I mean, I don't know, I don't know off the top of my head, but I think that probably mirrors the ten games that we started at the beginning of the season, 5-1-4. Might be, might, might be wrong there, but we started the season like a train. And it was always going to be hard for us to maintain that with the games we had coming after it. But I said a few weeks back, we're going to need to finish as we started, or even maybe more, to make sure that we got across the line. And that seemed an improbable task at the time. But um, firstly, we had to try and take it to the last week. Then we were trying to take it to the last day. It got there. And then we needed football gods to shine on us and give us a little bit. And, uh, yeah, whether we're lucky or not, that it's a season that 46 points keeps you in the league. I couldn't care less. It's a brilliant achievement for us to do it. Um, it's always a challenge for us at this level. But hopefully this gives us a chance of building and, and making sure that next year's a stronger one. Yes. Super moment for the fans. I mean, they've gone through so much today, but the scenes here today shows while we're in football, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Really memorable for everybody. We've had some brilliant moments, in, you know, particularly the season two years ago, getting promoted, but no one was here to see it. So you want people to have good moments. And I think, I think you grow as a club and you get stronger as a club when you have tough times. That's why the promotion year was so good, because it was such a tough time for everybody, everybody in their lives and not seeing it. Um, the next year was like last year was like a party this year was always going to be difficult and a challenge for us and we've stuck together and grown through it the, the average attendance has continued to grow throughout the season we've shown loyalty exists in football at all levels and i think that we've got a team a team building a or developing a club here and wanting to keep doing that and um our owners deserve the most credit for that really because the way in which they've pushed the club forward in the last few years is incredible and they've got big ambitions and plans to keep doing it Obviously, a lot of work to do over the next few months or so, but first and foremost, you'll be looking forward to a bit of a break, won't you? Uh, yeah, look, a break's difficult. We've got a big change ahead, so we, there will be plenty of time that we can break and, and away from the relentlessness and the pressure of this situation. It's been a really, really tough year for all of us. There's no, no question it's been really hard. Um, but we've got through it and we're stronger for it um, and we will have a bit of time to, to reflect and to refresh ourselves. But at the same time as that, we've got to make sure that we... Um, 
build a team that can be really competitive next year. And that work, but as, in fairness, has already started. But we'll really pick up now next week once we've um, once we've partied tonight. And a party really does seem quite appropriate for those down in Cambridgeshire. Other games that took place in League One this weekend. We'll start with Bristol Rovers 2, Bolton Wanderers 3. Bolton warmed up for the League One playoffs with a hard-fought 3-2 victory over Bristol Rovers at the Memorial. On loan, Manchester United striker Shola Shortire put Bolton in front in the 24th minute, tapping in a goal-bound effort from Gethin Jones, who soon limped off. Things went from bad to worse four minutes later for Bolton, as Luger Hull nudded in the equaliser after Sam Finley's cross cannoned off the woodwork, and then Josh Coburn's header crashed off the crossbar. Wanderers boss Ian Everts' injury worries deepened after the break, as Shortire hobbled off, but replacement Dan Lundaloo eased those concerns as the Southampton loney restored the visitors' lead with 20 minutes remaining with a 20-yard strike. Aaron Morley doubled Bolton's advantage in the 78th minute with a long-range effort before Rovers substitute John Marquis slotted home from close range with five minutes remaining. It set up a tense finale and the hosts came close to earning a point when Scott Sinclair's stoppage time strike hit the bar. With that in mind, let's listen to Bolton Wanderers boss Ian Everett. For our last game of the season, an awful lot going on there. Great news though, a very good performance and a very good win. Yeah, look, the victory is what's most important and we carry momentum through into the playoffs. We managed to rest some, some key individuals today and get them time to recover. Uh, but I have a massive belief in the, the squad that we've got and they've come in today, stepped up and, and got us the victory we deserved. An important first going into the playoffs, goals for Dan and goals for Scholler, which will do them the world of good. Scholler's first senior goal, look, he's a young player with an immense amount of talent. He's a, he is a young player, so there's always dips, there's highs and lows, but um, he's going to have a really good future in the game. and. First of many for him. Dan, you know, has again had a topsy-turvy time, the injury early on, but I think in recent weeks has shown us what he can do and I'm delighted for him to get the goal today. And an Aaron Morley masterpiece to put the icing on the cake. I mean, he did that four or five times in training yesterday and, yeah, he's a hugely talented player with a great technique and we're encouraging him to shoot a little bit more and today he's, he's come up with a brilliant goal. And injury news, obviously you took the decision to rest one or two today to keep as many people as fresh as possible. Rico played 45, just yeah. a concern ever again? Yeah, Rico's fine. Uh, the plan was always to play 45 minutes. Um, totally came through fine again. The other player's obviously been rested, be ready for next weekend. And yeah, with, with Geth, he has had a slight hamstring issue, but we thought it was more neural than, than muscular. We're hopeful that it's just cramped, really. But again, we won't know more until we get him scanned. And you go into the, into the playoffs with great momentum, which is a good position to be in. Yeah, look, I think we've lost one game in the last 10, 11 or something like that. And that was a game we completely dominated and shouldn't have lost. So we're in good form. The players are coming to the boil at the right time. And yeah, we're going to go and attack it and see where it takes us. We know it's Barnsley now. Whoever it will be, it will be a tough game. Yeah. But to purely focus the mind now, Saturday, the Uniball next week's going to be a big occasion. 100%. As I said, we want the Uniball as full as we possibly can, make it a really intense, intimidating atmosphere. And the players are in good spirits. As I said, we just want to go and attack it now and, and see how far it takes us. We're an extremely confident group and we'll carry that confidence through to Saturday. Just on that, you've come this far. It's been a great season already, hasn't it? As I said, you've achieved great things. Momentum is with you and are you going to give it your best shot? Yeah. The, the, the I think the dream is still alive. Yeah, I mean, I think we've achieved good things. I think it'll be great if we get promoted, so we'll keep our heads in the game and see, as I said, see where it takes us. 
Cheltenham Town 2, Charlton Athletic 2, Alfie Mays Light Strike earned Cheltenham a 2 all home draw against Charlton in an entertaining season finale. The Addicts led through Scott Fraser's first half strike, but Aidan Keener levelled for the Robins early in the second period. Charlton retook the lead when substitute Jack Payne struck with seven minutes left, but May's 20th league goal of the season sealed the point for the Robins. Lincoln City 1, Shrewsbury Town 0. Lincoln ensured a 11th placed finish in League 1 with Matty Virtue's 70, uh, 73rd minute strike giving them a hard-fought 1-0 win over Shrewsbury. The visitors started a better and Luke Leahy's 15-yard effort after 7 minutes deflected against the angle of crossbar and post. From the resulting corner, Imps goalkeeper Carl Rushworth saved well from Che Dunkley's downward header. Ryan Bowman shinned one wide before City finally had an effort at goal, Bordy O'Connor heading well off target. The second half was just over a minute old when Rob Street powerfully headed Taylor Moore's cross against the City bar before Rushworth stood strongest to chest away Jordan Shipley's strike. Lincoln finally called Shrewsbury keeper in, the Shrewsbury keeper into action after 70 minutes when Virtue's stinging effort off the edge from the edge of the box was pushed out by the diving Marco Morosi. Virtue wasn't to be denied three minutes later though when Sean Ruffin's long throw into the box fell to a midfielder who buried a shot into the bottom corner. The same player had a taste for goal and curled another effort just over as City finally found their rhythm. Imp striker Ben House then had a shot cleared off the line after great work from sub Joven Makama, and then Max Sanders fired straight at Morosi. Lincoln should have doubled their lead at the death after House was dragged down by Dunkley just inside the area, with the defender shown a straight red card. But Sanders' penalty was superbly saved by Morosi. And finally, Portsmouth 2, Wickham Wanderers 2. Paddy Lane's first goal for Portsmouth helped seal 8th place in League One after a two-all draw with Wickham at Fratton Park. After Marlon Pack had equalised following Gareth McCleary's opener, Lane cancelled out former Glover Lewis Wing's stunning long-range strike to earn Pompey the point that they needed to finish above their visitors. In an entertaining final game of the season, Pompey were the dominant side in the first half, yet it was Wickham who opened the scoring in the 31st minute. A dreadful pass out from Josh Oluwayemi went straight to the feet of McCleary, who swept forward to power the ball under the goalkeeper's body. Portsmouth fought Mack and deservedly got the equaliser after 44 minutes, as a second corner in as many minutes saw a Michael Jacobs cross head in by Pack. The second half continued to entertain, and Wing, with nowhere to go in the 54th minute, hammered home from 50 yards to put Wickham ahead. And trust me, if you've not seen the video already on social media, go and check it out. It is excellent. But Portsmouth hit back with 18 minutes remaining when Lane fired in the leveller. So that brings us to the end of the League One uh, fixtures for another year. And just to go over the table one last time. Title winners are, of course, Plymouth, with 101 points from 46 games played, which is simply remarkable. Ipswich in second place on 98, two points above third place Sheffield Wednesday, who will be ruining the chances, of course, over the last month that they let go. Otherwise, it could have been them going up to the Championship automatically. Instead, they'll have to fight in the playoffs alongside Barnsley, Bolton and now Peterborough United. Derby miss out by a single point. Six points below sit eighth placed Portsmouth, just above Wickham Wanderers. Mid-table consists of Charlton Athletic, Lincoln City, Shrewsbury Town, Fleetwood Town and Exeter and Burton Albion. Towards the bottom we see Cheltenham Town and Bristol Rovers, Port Vale and then towards the final final six, Oxford United 19th, 20th placed 
Cambridge United, and then the four relegated teams who will see their new campaign in League 2 next year, MK Dons, Morecambe, Accrington Stanley and Forest Green Rovers. You are listening to Three Valleys Radio. It wouldn't be right to finish tonight's programme without League Two. And there were still plenty of things to sort out, mainly at the top end of the League Two table. And we'll start with Tramia Rovers nil, Northampton Town 1. Northampton sealed promotion to League One as a sumptuous Sam Hoskins volley earned victory over Tramia Rovers at Prenton Park. The Cobblers needed maximum points to be certain of going up and held their nerve in a tense match, ensuring Stockport County's result against already relegated Hartlepool was irrelevant. As it happened, Stockport did fail to keep their side of their bargain as missing an injury time penalty as they drew, meaning John Brady's side finished third, four points clear of Stockport. Northampton fans celebrated wildly as the news of that spot quick miss and the subsequent final whistle at Edgeley Park filtered through. Supporters poured onto the pitch with match winner Hoskins and numerous teammates mobbed and carried aloft as they celebrated together. The scenes of jubilation were partly down to sheer relief as a draw or defeat coupled with victory for Stockport over Hartlepool would have left Northampton contemplating more final day heartache and another campaign in the fourth tier of English football. Goal difference was behind possibly the cruelest ever final day blow last season when John Brady's side missed out on automatic promotion to Joey Barton's Bristol Rovers, who amazingly won their final game 7-0 to leapfrog Northampton despite their own 3-1 victory. The Cobblers had to settle for the playoffs and were bundled out in their two-legged semi-final against Mansfield. But there was to be no such agony this time, with an inevitable nerves calmed as they took the lead in stunning style. Inside only five minutes. A corner was headed clear at the near post, but only Hoskins, who controlled the ball beautifully to on his chest and crashed a volley past keeper Matush Hulit from 18 yards. But although Rovers had little to play for in terms of their own league placing, the chance to impress in the first game under Ian Dawes since his full-time appointments saw them edge possession for the rest of the first half. They struggled to break down a well-drilled defence and created very little, but twice loudly claimed for a penalty. And Northampton were also grateful to keeper Lee Burge, who made a vital intervention to cut out a dangerous low cross. At the other end, Hoskins was twice off target as the visitors looked to extend their lead, first with the volley that drifted wide from the edge of the box and then blazing over with another long-range effort. The second half became increasingly nervy for the Cobblers, with Tranmere creating very few decent chances. Lee O'Connor headed narrowly wide after a dreadfully sliced clearance from Harvey Lintett. Kane Hemmings dragged a shot off target from 20 yards after some intricate interplay on the edge of the box and Sam Taylor saw a shot tipped wide by Burge. The visitors had chances of their own, noticeably Lewis Apiri hesitating when in on goal and they did not require the safety net of a second goal either to secure promotion or victory. With that in mind, let's listen to Northampton Town boss... John Brady. For you, John. Um, for you to be able to do this uh, this afternoon in the manner in which you've done it, with the problems that you face this year, it's, it's a real special moment for you. I'm just really happy for you. Well, it wouldn't happen without more injuries in the game, would it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just unbelievable. You can't ride it. And then we find another way again. Uh, Paul Osu, we dust him down like an old Rolls Royce, blow the dust off him, and he goes out there for 60 minutes. And he's, he's incredible, really. And... Uh, and they're the sort of stories, you know, David Norman coming in out of nowhere and, and helping us over the line, you know, and 
It's just incredible. Uh, the team willing to play anywhere. Sam playing at right back last week. Um, you know, those things, uh, cool, I remember it, but uh, at, at the time it was it was a lot of torture, to be honest, to, to get through. And you know, I remember chatting to you, Jake, and <laughs> it's been very, very hard. Um, but overall, it's um, it's an incredible story, really. You've put on a, a very brave face all season. We, we see each other a lot. I won't be offended if you say too much. And there have been some really difficult times for you and your coaching staff this year. Did that all come out on the final whistle for you? How does that feel? Well, t considering what's happened over a three-year, well, two and a half-year period, uh, I take over with 20 games to go, and we miss out by three points, and the problems we had then with uh, injuries and players. And then we go last year and especially what happened at the end of last season where Scum thought, let's get it right, fielding uh, a youth team. And uh, look, it, it wasn't right, uh, but we had to grit our teeth and go again. And to get 163 points in two years. But the, the hardest thing this uh, over what's happened, this doesn't usually happen to us. We don't come out on the right side and uh, I'm not sure it has really sunk in at the moment because, you know, there was a final twist to the tail. The boys are telling me that there's a penalty on the 96th minute and you're thinking, here we go again. You just push, the, you push right to the very edge all the time. And you have, to make, uh, you have to make decisions in those moments. And, you know, it was, do we lock the game out there and go 5-4-1 and, you know, because they were, they were coming on strong and we were tiring. And we can't train that much because if we train too much with our injuries and look, I'm just feeling here and then in a tiny snippet of the problems, but geez, uh, I think it'd be a good book to write. It certainly would be. And a big celebration now, John. It's been a it's been a tough ten months. You're over the line. You're gonna enjoy this, aren't you? Well, are you gonna celebrate with us, Tim? Yeah, are you coming so. out with us? Yeah. Hey? Are we celebrating? We as are. long as you are as well. You deserve it as much as anyone. You're the voice I am your father, John, so yeah, I don't well, I've, got, I've got to set you an example. This is taking well, well, yeah, yeah, it? No, well, you're the voice of our football team, and you, you know, you, you get so excited, you're so passionate when we score, and um, then you're a bit down when we lose, and, but that, that's, that's part of why we love you as well, mate. So, um, no, it's, look, I'm just pleased for everyone in the town. I'm really pleased, first and foremost, for our, um, our chairman. He's been so supportive, uh, Kelvin Thomas. Uh, you know, and pleased for James Whiting, who, who's exactly the same. Um, pleased for all the staff, the media team behind, um, our immediate staff, the players, and then the fans, ultimately. Uh, you know, they've been through a bit of torture themselves. We seem to have that um, entitlement where we think we're a League One club. Realistically, you know, we're nowhere near that top eight with... with everything we've got uh, and against all odds with half a team out we've done it as well so it's um, unbelievable achievement I know you want to celebrate but next season promises so much doesn't it in terms of derby games against Cambridge maybe yeah. against Peterborough uh, you know big opposition like Portsmouth maybe Sheffield Wednesday certainly Charlton it's going to be quite a season isn't it John can I just, just <laughs> yeah. enjoy yourself I'm, I'm sorry. sorry I'm always looking at it. can I forget about Picking a team, finding a way. I just pleased him, please. Um, let's just let the dust settle and let's just enjoy the moment. Final yeah. word, final thought for those 
Cobblers fans were probably getting in their cars now, drenched or heading off to the pub. Yeah. They were immense. Wow, they lifted that roof off uh, there. And, you know, the boys were flagging at the end, weren't they? And uh, they really drove them on. The roar at the start of uh, the whistle was incredible. And really, you know, they've traveled in their numbers and you really want it for them as well. And uh, I'm just glad we can all get it over the line as a football club. It's it's, um, it's fantastic achievement. Well, uh, the biggest congratulations, John. Uh, I'm absolutely made up for you. And uh, go and celebrate. Go and enjoy it. We will. We will. Stuff, John. Well done. Thanks. Thanks. So that's all three automatic promotion places sealed, of course, going to Leighton Orient, Stevenage and Northampton. But there were still plenty of things to play for in and around the playoffs. Now, we will start with Bradford City 1, Leighton Orient 1. Bradford had secured a League 2 playoff place with a draw against Championship Leighton Orient, uh, Champions Leighton Orient in front of a club record 22,576 mound crowd. The Bantams, who drew a newer draw, would secure a top seven spot, fell behind to Jordan Brown's well-taken goal, but equalised two minutes later through Brad Halliday's deflected volley. Orient's Aaron Drinnen and Bradfield's Liam Rydell went close to a winner. Bradford will play Carlisle United in the playoff semi-finals. So that meant there was a battle on 75 points apiece by, by the end between Salford City and Mansfield Town. And it finished Salford City nil, Gillingham won. Salford edged into the League 2 playoffs on goal difference despite defeat by Gillingham on the final day of the league season. With Mansfield leading at Colchester, the two teams were level on points, but the Stags could only find one of the two extra goals they needed to seal 7th place on goals scored. With Salford players anxiously huddling around a mobile phone after the final whistle to check the scores at the JobServe Community Stadium. The Amis began the day knowing a draw would be good enough to stave off Mansfield's challenge to their top 7 status against a team that secured their Football League safety last month. The game seemed to be petering out until Salford conceded a penalty for a foul on substitute Lewis Page and fellow replacement Che Alexander confidently drove it into the top corner. But Salford clung on to 7th and will face a Greater Manchester derby against 4th place Stockport in the playoff semi-finals with the first leg at the Peninsula next Saturday in what will be, I think, a very, very tense set of affairs. So, to round it off, of course, Colchester United nil, Mansfield Town 2. Mansfield fell short of snatching a League 2 playoff place on the final day of the season despite beating Colchester. The Stags needed to beat the U's and have results go their way elsewhere to get into the top seven. They missed out on goal difference after finishing equal on points, of course, with Salford, whose defeat against Gillingham was not by a big enough margin to allow Mansfield to leapfrog them into the playoff spots. Riley Harbottle had given the visitors hope of extending their season, heading, uh, heading Nigel Clough's side in front in first half injury time. Mansfield forward Davis Keeler Dunn hit the bar early in the second half, with John Akindi doing the same with a volley for the hosts minutes later. James Gale's goal in the seventh minute of injury time put Mansfield within a goal of getting into the playoffs, but it was not enough as their season ended in Essex. So, what does that mean then? Leighton Orient, Stevenage, Northampton, we've already covered. The playoff spots are settled on Stockport County, Carlisle United, Bradford and Salford. Mansfield missing out by a single goal difference. So, of course, we already know who's going down, unfortunately, are Rochdale and Hartlepool United. So let's go through all of the remaining games that took place during this weekend. 
We will start with Grimsby Town 1, AFC Wimbledon 0. Grimsby rounded off their first season back in League 2 with a 1-0 victory over AFC Wimbledon at Bloodwell Park. An own goal from Isaac Agunderi settled the game as Grimsby finished 11th in the table with their opponents 21st after going 7 matches without a win. Much change needs to be going on under Johnny Jackson next season for the South London side. Barrow nil, Stevenage 1. Stevenage clipped second place in League 2 after Jake Reeves' first half goal earned a 1-0 victory at Barrow. The midfielder netted his first goal since the start of December, which saw which came in the 5-0 rout over Pete Wilde's Bluebirds. As Barrow climbed a 24th win of the season and secured a top two spot behind champions Leighton Orient. Harrogate Town 1, Rochdale 1. Rochdale ended 102 years as a football league club with a one-all draw at Harrogate. A Jimmy Keohan effort midway through the first half had given the all-relegated visitors hope that they might sign off with a fourth win in eight games. But Toby Sims earned the Sulphurites a share of the spoils with his first goal in the English pro game, following a January move from US second-tier outfit the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Rochdale had earlier started the game with a confidence that belied their position propping up the entire EFL and took a deserved lead courtesy of a well-crafted goal. Veteran striker Ian Henderson was the instigator, showing nimble footwork in the middle of the pitch before releasing Tyrese Sinclair through the right channel. Sinclair's square pass then saw Keohan beat homekeeper Mark Oxley from eight yards. At the other end, on low Southampton winger Kazim Oligibe squandered the host's best first-half chances, wastefully missing the target after being sent clear on goal by Sam Follerin. After the break, a deflected Henderson effort bounced off the top of the bar, while Follerin also grazed an upright before Sims is levelled in the 74th minute. The 25-year-old right-back found the net with a six-yard side-footed volley after being picked out of the far post by Oligibe's cross from the left byline. Newport County 2, Crew Alexander 2. Lachlan Brook snatched a dramatic draw for Crew in a 93rd minute equaliser at Newport County. The hosts thought they had grabbed a late win themselves when Omar Bogle scored his second also in injury time. Bogle had earlier struck from the spot to cancel out Rio Adebise's stunning 25-yard strike. The result saw a resurgent Crew finish 13th, a point ahead of Newport in 15th, who narrowly missed their first back-to-back home league wins since August. Mickey Dimitri made his 300th and possibly last appearance for Newport. The defender is among five starting players out of contract at the end of the season. Stockport 1, Hartlepool United 1. Stockport missed out on autobiographic promotion, of course, from League 2 following a final day draw with relegated Hartlepool United. The Hatters, who needed the win to have a chance of leapfrogging Northampton and moving into third place, must settle for a playoff spot. They went ahead at Edgeley Park after Connor Jennings barged over Callum Camps, who calmly netted the resulting penalty six minutes before the break. The Pools uh, equalised in the second half when Callum Cook fired in from 25 yards out, and Stockport could not find a way past the inspired Ben Killip, who pulled off strings of saves before keeping out a 95th minute penalty from Camps. Sutton United 1, Carlisle United 1. Carlisle limped into the League 2 playoffs with just two wins from 11 after a final day draw at Sutton. The U's had lost six straight matches and not won in over two months, but led through Killian Kuyasi's first half strike only for a late Joe Kizzy own goal to give the visitors a point. Carlisle finished fifth and will now visit Bradford, who finished sixth in the first leg of their playoff semi-final on Sunday the 14th of May. The second leg at Brunton Park will be on the 20th of May, 3 o'clock kickoff. 
Swindon Town 2, Crawley Town 1. New manager Mike Flynn watched from the stands as Swindon got one over old boss Scott Lindsay by beating Crawley 2-1. Swindon announced before kick-off that Flynn had signed a two-year contract to replace the sacked Jody Morris as he was paraded on the pitch at half-time. With the first half drawing to a close, Jacob Wakeling flicked a header beyond the Crawley backline and Charlie Austin charged clear to drill the ball into the bottom corner and put the hosts ahead. Two minutes later, Jake Kane lined up a free kick from 30 yards and it flew into the top corner, with goalkeeper Corey Adai unable to get close to it. The Red Devils pulled one back when Seydou Khan's late challenge on Nick Tazarula in the area gave Crawley a penalty, which Dom Telford coolly stroked home. Minutes later, Swindon had a penalty of their own when Rashane Hepper Murphy was brought down. He took it himself, but Adai guessed right and made a fine stop. And finally, probably my two most underwhelming teams in League 2, finishing Walsall 2, Doncaster Rovers 1. Walsall leapfrogged Doncaster on the final day with a 2-1 victory at the Poundland Beskett Stadium. Goals from Connor Wilkinson and Isaac Hutchinson earned Walsall a first win in 10 as they rose to 16th, while an 11th loss in 16 pushed Rovers down to 18th despite Bobby Faulkner's consolation. Walsall should have led inside seven minutes, but Matty Stevenson steered former glover Tom Knowles' low cross wide from six yards in what was an incredibly underwhelming game. So that brings us to the end of the League Two table, so we'll take a look at it for one final time. Top of the table and title winners on 91 points sit Leighton Orient, six points clear of second-placed Stevenage, a further two points above third-placed Northampton Town. The playoffs will be extremely tight, I think, this week between uh, Stockport, Carlisle, Bradford and Salford. All four of them will uh, have been excellent at points during the season and really all do deserve a potential point to compete in League One next year. Very exciting to see how that will develop. Of course, all of the action will be still covered here on the EFL review whilst those are taking place. Midfield at so it takes uh, a mid table. Sorry, we see Mansfield, Barrow, Swindon, Grimsby, Tranmere, Crewe, Sutton United, Newport, Walsall, Gillingham, and Doncaster. Towards the bottom, and those that have just survived safety: Harrogate Town, Colchester United, AFC Wimbledon, and Crawley, who were three points above twenty-third placed Hartlepool United, who returned to the National League after not too long away, and Rochdale, who have never been in non-league. So. That brings us to the end of the EFL review this week. I certainly hope you've enjoyed this slightly larger episode. Of course, it's a final game week. It did only seem appropriate. We'll be back next week to cover all the playoff semi-finals in all three divisions, of which, of course, the playoffs are always incredibly exciting, no matter what the league and which teams happen to be in them. So I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. I will speak to you again on Friday. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.